Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Ready for Polyamory podcast. As always, I'm Laura Boyle, and I'm your host. Welcome. This is Season 4, Episode 1, and today we're going to be talking about saying no, saying yes, and why it's important to be able to say no in relationships. Before we get started, I just quickly want to thank all of my Patreon patrons who help keep the lights on at the blog and podcast. So thanks, as always, to Timmy, Jacqueline, Corwin, The Green Wolf Podcast, and Rachel for all of their support. Uh, If you guys want to join us on Patreon, there are extras available, and depending on what level you sign up for, there's all sorts of different things. Uh, So those are the monthly way to support us. Um, If you'd rather give a sort of one-time tip because you enjoyed this episode or a particular post on the blog, feel free to give at ko-fi.com slash readyforpolyamory. The Patreon is at patreon.com slash readyforpolyamory. Of course, the blog is at readyforpolyamory.com, and we're going to be updating three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, uh, from now going forward for at least the next couple of months. Um, Hopefully forever and ever, but, you know, life. So anyway... We're going to jump right into today's episode on being able to say no in relationships and why it's important. So, kind of in general, I think we're all pretty familiar with reasons why we might have to say no in life, right? Situations that make it really important to have to say no with pushy relatives, with sort of predatory sales tactics where you're on the street and somebody is doing the thing where they're like, oh, just let me show you this lotion. It's going to make your hands feel so smooth. Just give me a chance. I guess there's a lot less of that now mid-COVID, but you know, I think we've all walked past a mall kiosk in our lives. Um, or co-workers who are trying to offload bits of projects. Or, you know, school classmates who the group project, they're like, well, let me do about mm, one-eighth of this three-person group project and make sure that you do almost all of it. Because you're just so good at this. Those sorts of people that you need to be able to say no to as a matter of self-care, but there's also the issue of within our interpersonal relationships, within relationships where we have a lot of trust already built up, our romantic relationships, our vulnerable, intimate relationships, it becomes really important to be able to say no, because saying no creates sort of a kind of confidence in the yeses that we're giving our partners in relationships. Our partners can absolutely trust our consent more and trust our willingness to be going along with a plan if they know that we're willing to say no some of the time, right? 
Um, and there's an article on psychology today called The Power of No by Dr. Judith Sills uh, that includes the line, if you feel you cannot say no at least some of the time, you're not being loved, you're being controlled. And she means that for any interpersonal relationship, a relationship has become controlling and inhibiting for us if we've hit the point where we truthfully cannot say no or where we feel as though we cannot say no any of the time. And so it becomes really important to demonstrate to our partners occasionally that we recognize that they're a safe space to say no to. We're not just yes-manning every single one of their suggestions all of the time. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about reasons why saying no can be hard some of the time. And then we're going to talk a little bit about what the signs might be that you personally are someone who especially struggles with saying no or who has been saying yes too often in your recent life. And then a little bit about what to do about it and about how to make yourself a safe person to say no to, how to be one of those recognizably safe spaces for your friends and partners. So first up, let's talk a little bit about reasons why we can sometimes find it hard to say no. Part of it is that they've done tons of studies on it and people know that hearing no is uncomfortable. No's are psychologically heard by humans as a stronger position than yeses, or as a more memorable negative position than a yes is as a positive position. And so as humans, we have a lot of memories of how much particular no's hurt us on a personal level, and we don't want to hurt other people. There's also, in the case of, like, those people with predatory sales tactics, we end up feeling like, well, they're just doing their job. Let me at least let them give me the spiel before I say no and walk away. That way I've at least been polite. And that key word, that politeness, have we been conditioned to be polite and to whom in this situation, right? And there's a certain amount of women having been conditioned to be more polite more of the time or in more situations than men have. Women have a larger number of people that they're conditioned to sort of be polite about or keep the peace with than men generally do. So you certainly find a lot of men who also do things out of politeness, say yes excessively out of politeness, allow situations that they probably should say no earlier on in to go on because of politeness, but women do it in a broader range of circumstances. 
Another reason that you might find it hard to say no to something is fear of missing out. This, like, FOMO situation where you're like, oh, but if I say no and everybody else goes and they have a really good time and I miss out on it, that's going to be terrible. Even if what you really need is a night in to rest and it's your only night off this week, and you go out and you actually kind of have an awful time because you were tired and you were cranky and you shouldn't have gone out. But staying in or saying no to going out felt like I'm rejecting my only chance to go out and everyone else is going to have a great time without me. That this might be my only chance feeling is another big reason why you might find it hard to say no. People have this, like, it's kind of like how sunk cost fallacy works, where you're convinced that you've already put in all this energy, so you need to keep putting in all this energy, except it's for the opposite situation. It's, this may be my only chance for this to happen, I absolutely need to grasp this chance, carpe diem, right now. Um, this might be my only chance to be with this person, or to get a job in this field, or this might be the only person who wants to date me ever, or for the next year, or whatever, whatever the sort of situation that makes you feel that desperate, I must seize this kind of feeling. And that's all a matter of operating from a scarcity mindset that's really hard to turn off, right? All of this is cultural and to some extent sort of older proto-culture conditioning that we've internalized really deeply. Humans in general are really bad at recognizing that this chance isn't their only chance. That taking a pause will not hurt them. On that subject, or as an illustration of that, uh, I had been seeing somebody very briefly, and... I kind of decided that it wasn't working out and I was talking to my therapist about it and I explained, you know, I'm kind of thinking that it isn't working out, but we've sort of left things in the air. Neither of us really said we weren't interested, but neither of us really said that we were after this meeting. So I don't know what's going to happen. And my therapist said, okay, so when you're asked, are you going to not go someplace if you're asked to go out? And I said, well, I guess it depends how eagerly he asks. And this was clearly the wrong answer. My therapist was like, <sighs> you just explain to me all the reasons that you don't actually want to see this person ongoingly. 
shouldn't the correct answer be, I will say no thank you? <laughs> like, you can make whatever choice you want, but you just explained all of this to me, so can you justify these two facts together for me, please? And I was like, well, it just feels like it would be pretty rude if he's very excited about wanting to see me to not at least go and explain in person that I'm not as excited as he is or not give it, like, a chance to see if the excitement is infectious if he seems really excited about it. And then I got a lecture about how other people's excitement and needs are not my own. And I need to prioritize my own. And that kind of people-pleasing and, like, politeness, which I'm putting in scare quotes, is the kind of thing that gets people into a position of saying yes when they probably should say no. There's an, a blogger who primarily writes about ADHD and who actually doesn't write about polyamory at all, but writes about relationships a little bit sometimes, who has a catchphrase that is, guard your yes with your life. Her name's Renee Brooks. Her site is Black Girl Lost Keys, and I'm throwing her guard your yes with your life article into the show notes because it's great. Um, I found it a couple of years ago, and while I personally still have trouble implementing it because I am super guilty of saying yes to absolutely everything for absolutely everyone, um, her concepts in that article are great. And she has a sort of great outline of how to tell if you haven't guarded your yes particularly well, if you haven't been saying no often enough. The first one is if you're just always super busy, like absolutely always to the point where when you finally get home, all you can do is crash. You get nothing done for yourself except flopping. And this is a positive feeling for you because it makes you feel very useful. And useful is like a sensation that works for a lot of people. But it can also make you feel resentful because you end up doing all of these things mostly for other people and not so much for yourself. If you feel like you're putting the comfort of others first and this is causing you discomfort some of the time, then you may not be sufficiently using the word no when you should be. If you find yourself just sort of generally feeling angry and resentful at people about the things that you've agreed to do, it means that you need to sort of reconsider and reprioritize what things you're saying yes to.
because if it's not the sort of bare minimum, keep yourself fed and housed kind of things, and just that is making you feel that way, if it's anything beyond that, then you have optional things that you can start cutting down. If you find yourself getting caught in dysfunctional relationship patterns that you repeat, and this is the part that ends up applying to us and to polyamory, if you find that sort of over and over again, you have the same kinds of fights or the same kinds of breakups or the same kinds of, well, I take care of everyone, but nobody actually knows what I want and nobody actually meets my needs and no one's bought me a birthday present in three years, but, you know, it's not that they don't mean well, they just don't realize, or whatever it is. But like, those are the first three examples I could come up with when I was making a list here. If you find yourself caught in relationship patterns like that, where, again, you're being extremely useful to others, but those relationships are not reciprocally serving you, then you may not be using no effectively as a matter of sort of self-preservation, and you may be in need of a little practice at guarding your willingness to say yes. So the first step to actually doing so is to pause for a second and make the internal decision to not own others' problems. You gather up all your problems, put them in a little backpack. They're yours. Those are the problems that you deal with. Everybody else can handle their own mess. You're handling your mess. So then from there, in actually managing to say no to people, which I know is hard, I fail at it regularly, uh, the first step of that is recognizing your limits. Going, okay, so at what point do I actually stop feeling healthy, useful, and start feeling bad because I'm too tired when I get home to do anything. And that might take some trial and error to figure out. But figure out what for you, where those limits are. Where are you meeting your own needs, but also giving some energy to projects and people you care about? Second, create a pause before actually answering people's requests. Telling people honestly that you'll think about something or that you'll look at your calendar because you're not sure if you're free that day and giving yourself a few minutes of honest thought or of checking up on the date and seeing what else you have going on in that week or on that day and then giving someone an honest yes or no will make them respect your time more and it will make them respect your answer more because you're giving it 
real consideration. You're not just going, yeah, of course. You're not suddenly the like auto doormat who's available at all times. Third, you sort of watch people's reactions when you have to say no. So when you do that pause and that check, and it turns out that the answer is no because, well, they want your help for Wednesday, but you have commitments on Tuesday and Thursday, and you need to clean your house at some point, so you can't actually do anything Wednesday. So you very politely say, oh, I'm sorry, but I really can't Wednesday. So, no. Watch for their reaction. And if it's the kind of person who is relaxed about it, who doesn't mind, that's the person who you give yeses to whenever possible in the future. When it's the kind of person who gets defensive, who is sort of attacking, who insinuates that they're entitled to your help. Those people are people who get no's more often. Even if it's like someone who is family or who you've known a long time, because that reaction to your no tells you a lot about what your relationship with them was actually based on in their head. And that's true in romantic relationships too. Like if it turns out that somebody isn't so interested in talking to you or spending time with you when you're no longer helping them do a big project of theirs that's like, a park clean out or whatever like the local parks have all been cleaned out they're done with their giant project you've done it with them that's all over they don't call you up anymore oh was I just an activity buddy were we not actually friends during that I must have misunderstood it's the same thing as when, like, you doing someone favors, oh, do you mind picking up thus and such a thing for me on your way over? And when you start saying no, they stop inviting you over? That's pretty telling. Regardless, you're going to have to accept a certain amount of discomfort both on your end, because it's not going to be easy and it's not going to be comfortable at first, and I'm still in the phase where it's not comfortable, and I default to, like, backtracking into, oh, well, but wouldn't the polite thing be to just say yes with strangers and anyone who I don't really trust? So, you know, this is a slow process. And the discomfort of the person you're saying no to. Because a lot of the time, people get used to you at whatever level of frequency of saying yes you were at to start with. So those of us who were frequent, of course, yes, definitely, got it, those people 
are going to have a little more trouble with people's reactions, both on our end and on their end, because it's going to be very weird at first. But like we were saying before, saying no generates more confidence in the solidity of your answers in a relationship. And in general, if you're from more of a like ask culture, for those of you who aren't familiar, this is something that has made the rounds on the internet several times. Ask cultures are microcultures where it's more accepted to ask for anything, but you may get a no in response. And guess cultures are microcultures where you don't ask unless you're sure the answer is going to be yes. So in an ask culture, the failure state is not asking for something you need. And in a guest culture, the failure state is asking for something that someone must say no to. So for those of us from guest cultures, the whole saying no thing is a lot harder than for people who were raised as askers in general. Also in general, if you're dealing with partners who are askers, they will take this a lot better sort of right at first and they'll take this transition a lot easier. So figuring out where you're coming from can be helpful. So There's some situations where sort of regardless of what kind of culture you're from, saying no or receiving no can be kind of perceived as a failure in a romantic relationship. Often, for example, in like... So, in romantic or sexual overtures, you can always just say no to anyone and you don't need a reason to say no. Nobody should push you for a reason when you reject them. Although people often do because this is the real world and we live in a fucked up society. But one place where saying no often gets treated as a failure state and internalized really badly by folks is in sexual relationships, in ongoing romantic relationships. I've known lots of times with previous partners and in stories that friends have told me about their previous partners where, like, very normal, just somebody isn't in the mood, turns into a kind of spirally negative feelings situation because we have a lot of sort of preconceived cultural notions about, for example, and this is in big old scare quotes also, like guys are always supposed to want sex. So the first time that 
a male-identified person tells you no as a woman, I think most of our reactions were something along the lines of, what? And, like, was that a correct or mature reaction? Absolutely not. But I think I was, like, 16 at the time that I had that reaction, so I will forgive myself. Um, I hope I've been forgiven by that person also by now. Fifteen years later, I hope so. Um, but this sort of general cultural failure of teaching us how to say and receive no gracefully in sexual situations is a real potential failure point that just having generally built up in the relationship a better ability to say no to one another can really help mitigate because it can build up our sense that, well, my partner really means what they say at face value. So if they're very gently saying, no, I'm just not in the mood tonight. Like, I love you. You're gorgeous. I just don't really want to do this tonight. They mean it. They're interested in me, just not right this second. And that sort of difference in internalizing their literal words instead of internalizing whatever magnified, implied subtext we might otherwise internalize can be really important uh, for our self-esteem. There's a lot of uh, like coaching and event running sort of people who do a little activity where they have people practice accepting no gracefully um, before negotiations or before like kink events, things like that. And the phrase they usually have people use is, thanks for taking care of yourself in response to hearing a no. Um, I've heard that said back to people in like such a spiteful tone so many times that I generally prefer something that's more like, okay, thanks, or thanks for letting me know, or all right, just something neutral that accepts the no, and then you move on. Uh, so if you're in a sort of public situation, or in the like, before you go on a first date kind of situation and someone approaches you for something you're uninterested in that is uh, sexual, kinky, or datey, something along the lines of that might work. And in general, knowing that thanks for taking care of yourself is a kind of, for lack of a better term, industry standard uh, way of saying that is also sort of good background knowledge. I don't think anyone would ever object to 
thanks for letting me know instead, or, oh, okay, thanks, that's fine, would be a problem either, but if you want to be using the, like, most up-to-date terminology, thanks for taking care of yourself seems to be it. Um, my personal pet peeves around the tones of voice people use while saying it are, I think, going to be an issue with literally any phrase that becomes standard because not everyone actually wants to receive no gracefully. They're too busy not wanting to receive no. Um, no one wants to receive a no pretty much ever for anything, much less for a like play or sexual situation. But being able to and showing that you're a safe person to receive no's both from people you care about and from strangers is one of the ways to indicate that you're like one of the safer people in a space, generally. So if you are ever at an event like that, being a nice, calm, good receiver of genuinely asked no's, I don't just mean the like little activity at the beginning where they're like, okay, turn to your partner on your left and then your partner on your right and ask them to do something ridiculous and then practice saying thank you and then practice saying thank you for taking care of yourself. Like, I mean, when you're legitimately asking someone something and they say, oh, no thanks, and then you have a reasonable response and people can hear that happening, it really does have an impact on how people see you as a person in terms of safety. Um, especially if you are a larger person or a cis man or in general just someone who is physically intimidating. It really does make a difference. I wish that those differences didn't matter, but they decidedly do. Um, so I'm going to try to sum up now that I have rambled on this subject. Uh, basically, no is a ridiculously powerful word that we can use to protect ourselves from difficult situations, whether those difficult situations are pushy aunts who want to tell us to cut our hair or uh, predatory salesfolk at mall kiosks or co-workers who would really like us to do three quarters of this report that they've been assigned or the moment when our partners are trying for something and we just really want to go to sleep right now. No is an extremely powerful tool for all of those situations and more, and we can use it to set our boundaries, to establish our values, and to sort of make our yeses more meaningful and helpful in our relationship building. 
there are plenty of reasons why we sometimes find it difficult to say no in life, but there are ways that we can work on that and gradually improve our ability to say no and the focus of where we're putting our yeses so that we're putting our yeses into the relationships with friends and family and partners who are most important to us as opposed to expending them sort of all over in favors for people we're not that concerned with or emotional vampires or difficult situations that really aren't our mess to be cleaning up. We can figure out what's our stuff, what's the stuff of the people most important to us, and help the people most important to us get their stuff in order too. And that's a worthwhile goal to have with all of this. So I'm glad to be back for season four. I hope you guys are glad to have me back. If you'd like to join us on Facebook, we're at facebook.com slash groups slash ready for polyamory. We are uh, at the blog as always, readyforpolyamory.com. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ready for polyamory. There are many different tiers starting at $3 a month. If you like this episode or any particular blog post, there's a Ko-Fi where you can leave tips at ko-fi.com slash ready for polyamory. Um, the music, as always, is provided by the very talented Vince Conaway. And we're going to let him play us out. I'll be back next week to talk about the concept of codependence and whether or not that medical concept still has meaning in our modern society. <laughs>